Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Chicago White Sox 4, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And listen to this game a long time on the radio uh, for this one, and uh, man, they just they just wasted another good pitching performance, didn't they? Man, that happens too often this season. I, I mean, they they really they do have a very strong pitching staff, and they just have paired it with one of the worst offenses in franchise history uh, up until this point. Lots can change. I know. I'm gonna use that caveat. I don't know until maybe July, right? Until the All Star break, maybe I'm gonna use that caveat that things could still change. But right now, they're just an historically bad offense. And remember. Remember the other day, I was in a bad mood, and I was kind of dogging them a little bit. And I was saying, look, this it's just a bad team. There's talent. There's absolutely talent there. There's players to be excited about. But right now, as a team, as a collective unit, you can't say they're not kind of a bad team. And what happened tonight is the perfect example of that. Because this is what bad teams do. They run themselves out of opportunities. They shoot themselves in the foot. They have nobody to blame for losing this game but themselves. Yeah, I know the White Sox had a three-run seventh inning. But in the fourth inning of this game, the Guardians have a chance. They have a chance. They've got Dylan Cease in some serious trouble. Second time through the lineup, and uh, I thought it was going to turn into something big, and instead they literally run themselves out of the inning. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I, I don't know if, if anybody said anything in a post-game interview or anything like that. I didn't catch it yet. You know, I've been recording these all like at midnight, you know, before going to bed. And uh, so some of the some of the articles, you know, usually the Mandy Bell's article isn't ready or anything like that. So it's hard to keep up on all these quotes. But, but, the situation is Josh Bell's on second. Gabriel Arias is on first. It's a two-out single in the fourth and then a two-out walk. Andres Jimenez hits one up the middle. Tim Anderson dives, is able to knock it down. And I'm telling you, both Bell and Arias thought that ball got through into center field. Watch that high home camera, right? The game camera that you see most of the action on. That angle, Arias takes a big turn around second base, and he's flying for third. He thought that ball was through. I just I don't understand how that happens. How that happens. How Sarbaugh is not screaming his head off. How both runners were so convinced this ball was going to get through with, you know, and admittedly, I know Tim Anderson, or uh, yeah, Tim Anderson has his problems at shortstop, but you can't deny that the guy's not super athletic. And the other middle infielder they got, the uh, second baseman, Romy Gonzalez, keeps making one fantastic play after another in this series. So you know they're athletic up the middle. Sure, Anderson makes some bonehead plays sometimes, makes some errors sometimes, but. You can't deny his athletic ability. Why wouldn't you hesitate? Why wouldn't you make sure that ball got through? 
If it did get through, it would have been going slow. You would have had a chance to score. I'm not saying Andres Jimenez, Andres Jimenez hit it slow. It was a 95.5 mile per hour exit velocity. But, I mean, it wasn't a line drive up the middle. It was, you know, it took a few hops up the middle. So, it, even, even if you wait to see if the ball get past Tim Anderson, you still probably, even Josh Bell can score from third, can scamper home. I don't know what happened on this play. But this is what bad teams do. You had a chance to have bases loaded. Yeah, it would have brought up Mike Zanino. He was hot for a second. But you would have had bases loaded. You had Dylan Cease kind of on the ropes. You did have a one nothing lead at this point, thanks to Brennan's solo home run. You know, I... I was curious, you know, C seemed like he was, it seemed like he was settling down at points. Then the Guardians had these little, little attempts at rallies against him. I mean, Cease pitched a pretty good game overall. It made me, it made me think a lot about the, uh, the start against Verlander, where Verlander just seems to get stronger and stronger as the game goes on. And I was wondering if Cease was going to do the same thing. He doesn't end up doing that he gets into trouble here in the fourth and is lucky to get out of it he does set him down one two three in the fifth but then gets into a little more trouble in the sixth is able to get out of it but uh this fourth inning i mean this is this is like that classic butterfly effect right you go back in time you step on a butterfly you change the whole future i don't know why it's a butterfly just is that's how i kind of feel about this fourth inning if Bell doesn't get thrown out of the plate, if he holds it third, it just, it did. It, feel like, it felt like things were finally starting to break the Guardians' way. Yes, Anderson makes this diving stop, but it's an infield single, right? Everyone could have moved up a base and been safe. And we could have had the bases loaded for Zanino. And that would have been three batters in a row. And Cease, yeah, Cease would have been on the ropes. But instead, he gets to walk away from that inning laughing because Josh Bell gets thrown out by a mile at home plate, is tagged out on the seat of his pants, and he gets to walk into the dugout with all that weight lifted off his shoulders. Then Yasmani Grandal comes out and hits a game-tying solo home run in the top of the fifth inning. So not only do they shut down our rally, throw us out at home plate, then they hit a solo home run, you know, we talked about it a few days ago, winning the inning, right? The Guardians, like, lost every inning in that Friday night game against the Mets. Once they took that big lead, they just started losing innings. This may not be that in the traditional sense, but bottom of the fourth to top of the fifth, you lost that inning. You had a chance at a rally. You had a chance to extend your lead. And instead, you screw that up with terrible, terrible base running. Dumb base running which is what a, a hallmark of bad baseball teams. And then you give up a solo home run to tie the game in the bottom in the top of the fifth. So yeah, you lost that exchange right there, that inning. Huge momentum swing right there. I'm sure the win probability line uh, took a big swing on that one. So that was I mean that was a key key moment in the game. Uh, so they do. They tie it up. But both solo home runs are uh, hit pretty well. 
Brennan's would have only been a home run in 13 out of 30 ballparks. He got a hanging breaking ball and absolutely exploded on it. Uh, you know, watching that replay back, man, that breaking ball was just sitting nice and meaty for him. And then uh, Yasmani Grandal went up and got a high fastball. Uh, it was supposed to be, I think, middle in. Now, it's what... Uh, it's what Logan Allen was doing all night. And I went back and looked at the last start. And, you know, the last start, it was Cease against uh, Logan Allen, but, you know, in in uh, Chicago. And uh, it was pretty much the same plan of attack. Pound those right-handed batters inside. And uh, it seemed like the same plan of attack on this one. So it was a slider that Brennan got. Uh, it was a slider that was up and in, and he turned on this thing. It it really felt like it kind of hung up there, like a slow-pitch softball pitch and just kind of dropped right into the barrel of his bat. So good job by uh, by Brennan by not wasting. Like How many times have we talked about, you know, oh, that was the pitch at the at-bat. Oh, he's wishing he'd have that pitch back. Good job from Brennan not wasting the pitch. He jumped on it. A mistake by Cease, and he jumped on it. And yeah, Logan uh, Allen, the home run he gives up, is on a four-seam fastball. I wasn't sure if it was a fastball or a cutter. But it's a four-seam pass fastball up and in. And Yasmani Grandal was ready for it. I mean, he turned on this thing and cranked it at 105.5 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, so they're able to tie that game up in the fifth inning. His would have been a home run in 30 out of 30. No doubt about it shot out to left field. Uh, and then uh, they put together the rally. Uh, you know, he gets out of the sixth inning, but he can't get out of the seventh. Uh, after we tie the game, we take the lead. We take the lead. Uh, Ahmed Rosario with a walk. Naylor with a double in the right field. Uh, he smokes one at 110.7. It brings Ahmed Rosario in to score. That's nice. Belen Arias ground out. But hey, you took a 2-1 lead. And then... They have their big rally in the seventh. Did he push Logan Allen a little too far, leaving him out there for that seventh inning? You know, they turned the lineup over. Actually, no, they don't even turn the lineup. This is the bottom of the order that does it. This is the bottom of the order facing him, I'm guessing, for the second time. And they're the ones that put this rally together in. But he had given you six strong innings. Uh, how many pitches did he throw on the day? Uh, Logan Allen threw... 85, only 85 pitches. I guess not. I guess not. I guess he was kind of cruising um, throughout this game. It's funny, right before Grandal hit that home run, Rosenhaus just got done saying, boy, Logan Allen's been super efficient tonight. Five innings, only 50 pitches or so. And then, boom, next pitch, Grandal hits that home run. So, uh, yeah, I, he was being efficient. So, all right, I guess leaving him out there for the seventh isn't, the worst thing in the world, you know, they hadn't turned the lineup over again. So uh, they get to him, though. They get to him. A single from Vaughn, a double from Benatendi, the error from Jose Ramirez. You know, he tries to f- cut across the diamond and feel the chopper and just can't come up with a cleany, cleanly, has nowhere to go with it. A run comes in to score. They walk Clint Frazier to load the bases, and then Romy Gonzalez shoots a double in the left field corner. The hardest hit ball of the day at 112.8 mile per hour exit velocity. 
Uh, you know, their number nine hitter. Oh, he. you know what? He wasn't at second base. Oh, did he move out to center field after Luis Robert got hurt? Is that what happened? Sometimes, uh, sometimes StatCast does that where uh, they do not make it exactly clear what position. Yes, he started at second base, moved out to center field after Luis Robert uh, got hurt. But Romy Gonzalez, I, I don't think he's known as a power hitter. Uh, you know, young guy, 26 years old, uh, has, uh, has had a taste, has had a cup of coffee with the White Sox in uh, the last three seasons. Uh, played in 10 games in 2021. Uh, 32 games in 2022, and now 25 games in 2023. Uh, let's go over to a stat cast. What is his max exit velocity? Okay, so this would be uh, the hardest. Let's see here. 112.8 miles per hour exit velocity. This is the hardest hit ball that Romy Gonzalez has hit in his career. So how about that? Uh, and he shoots one. This is the first ball he's hit down the left field line like that. Uh, he's had a couple of triples to right field, but he uh, he pulls this one down into uh, into the left field corner. And uh, yeah, man, it sucks that uh, Logan Allen gives it up in the seventh inning. It was a really good start up until that point. Uh, but they make him pay. It was an inside pitch. It was a first pitch cutter middle off the plate in that he turns on. So he must have turned on this thing fast to pull this thing down the left field line into the corner to score two and give them that 4-2 lead. So like I said, uh, up until this point this season, he hadn't hit one. He hadn't pulled one into the left field corner. Uh, he had a couple of home runs in uh, 2022 that he pulled to left field, but all his uh, doubles came from going oppo in uh, 2021. He did pull one down the line, uh, had a couple of doubles to left field and one to right center field. So, uh, okay, has done it in his career. Again, it's a small sample size because the guy has not uh, really played a full season, even a half a season in the majors up until this point in his career. But the uh, he jumps on one here. He got it here, and he gets the big hit. Uh, for the White Sox, and two runs isn't enough. Two runs isn't enough to support your uh, fantastic starting pitcher in Logan Allen. Uh, all right, we're gonna get a little bit more into Logan Allen and Dylan Cease, but we gotta talk about Enyo De Los Santos because he comes in out of the bullpen, and uh, what a moment! I mean, it sucks that it comes in a loss. But still, let's give some credit where credit is due. Because De Los Santos comes into a situation where they've got runners on, you know, they've just given up three runs in the inning. They've got runners on second and third. And now they've got the top of their lineup up. Tim Anderson, Jake Berger, who struck out a ton tonight. Uh, Luis Robert, and uh, he's got to go face him. And I mean, he was filthy. Filthy with the slider and the fastball, frankly. I mean, let me just quickly tell you the whiff rate uh, on these pitches for De Los Santos. So on five swings on a slider, they whiff four times. On three swings on his fastball, they whiff all three times. It's a 88% whiff rate. It's a 64% CSW total. They didn't put one in play. They fouled one pitch off. I mean, and, and he was... 
It's as close as you can get to an immaculate inning, pretty much. He worked a tiny bit harder than an immaculate inning. But De Los Santos was just nasty. So he's attacking Tim Anderson with just sliders. Slider for a called strike, maybe a little bit below the knees, but he gets the called strike. A slider down that he swings over uh, to make it an 0-2 count. Throws him one in the dirt that he lays off, and then comes back with a forcing fastball that's kind of middle of the plate away. And uh, Tim Anderson can't catch up to it. And, you know, the difference on that pitch, it's it's big. He's going from an 83-mile-per-hour slider three times in a row to, boom, here comes a 96.4-mile-per-hour fastball on the outside edge. And uh, Anderson cannot catch up to it. Then Jake Berger comes up, and the recipe stays the same. Slider down. Uh, he's keeping it down and in against uh, against Jake Berger which is interesting to see uh, the slider being used in that location. Uh, but it works for him. He gets a swinging strike on one uh, in the inside corner, uh, throws one a little bit too inside for a ball, and uh, throws another one that he chases in that inside corner. Maybe a little low, but he chases it. Fouls off another one down there in that inside corner pocket. And then finally, same thing. Middle in this time, just blows a fastball by him. So he saw four 84-mile-per-hour sliders in a row, and then, boom, jumps him with a 97.7-mile-per-hour fastball, and he swings through it for strike three. So, man, that fastball jumps all over him. With Luis Robert, it's a little bit of a different approach. Frankly, Luis Robert got himself out on this one. Uh, A four-seam fastball that he starts high and tight for a called strike to start the at-bat. Uh, Throws him a slider then down at the knees, keeping it in tight uh, for strike two. Swings over that one. Uh, Throws him one in the dirt. Doesn't get him to chase. Goes fastball away. He doesn't chase. He lays off that one. Goes fastball away again. And for some reason, Luis Robert chases it. This one was even further off the plate. And Luis Robert helps him out and can't resist and chases after it. His uh, 97.8 mile per hour fastball. So really popping that velocity there from De Los Santos. That's, I mean, this is classic like middle relief guy. I, you know, De Los Santos. Uh, you know, I meant to do a deep dive on him. Uh, you know, he hasn't quite been, uh, you know, since he came over here. Right, he's been pitching here for two seasons. I mean, he wasn't the, you know, the second coming of Jose Mesa or anything like that. But I think De Los Santos has been serviceable. Since coming over here, uh, I I think he's improved as a pitcher since coming over here. Um, let's see here. Uh, his K percentage. Uh, when did he get his first season in Cleveland? So it would have been 2022 was his first season in Cleveland. Uh, he split. Yeah, he split 2021 between Pittsburgh and Philly. So 2022, he comes over here and. Uh, well, the K rate had jumped in Pittsburgh uh, that 2021 season. Yeah, uh, his ERA is definitely down. I mean, he went from a guy that was like a 7.36 ERA, a 6.37 ERA, and then his two seasons in Cleveland, it's a 3.04 and a 2.20 so far this season. And uh, so that's nice to see. Uh, expected weighted on base percentage does come. Eh, it's been about the same for most of his career. Uh, yeah, so not, not too much has changed, but you, 
you do feel like he's had some success since coming to Cleveland. Okay, here's something interesting for De Los Santos. His four-seam fastball has improved since coming to Cleveland. In 2021, it was a decent season for him in Pittsburgh and Philly, but his run value on his four-seam fastball was plus seven. That's bad. Turns it around in 2022, it goes to minus seven run value. That's a significant change uh, to that four-seam fastball. This year, it's at a minus five run value. The batting average against in 2021, his four-seam fastball, was 333. The batting average against his four-seam fastball in 2022 falls to 229. This year, they're hitting 176 off his four-seam fastball. His slider improved too. So uh, it went from a plus three in 2021 to a minus five in 2022. It's at a zero right now, run value. Uh, So uh, not as effective this year with it. But uh, the batting average against is only 100. Uh, It's got a 42.1% whiff rate. So, uh, man, yeah, it's the highest the whiff rate has ever been on that slider uh, for him. So, wow, I take that back. And, uh, well, he only threw it eight times in 2018, but it had a 60% whiff rate. Uh, okay, well, well, we'll say with a relevant data, uh, since he started throwing the pitch regularly, it's got its highest whiff rate this season. And, yeah, he got a couple of whiffs on it this uh, in this game, and then the four-seam fastballs to put away all three Hitter, so incredibly impressive stuff from Enyo De Los Santos. Like even in a loss, I'm gonna I'm gonna find some good things to talk about. Hopefully, hopefully in a loss, I'll find some good things to talk about. And De Los Santos was that thing in this game. So yeah, it's just not enough offense to support this good starting pitching you're getting from Logan Allen. So him and Cease battle. They both go six innings. Obviously, Logan Allen pitching into the seventh there. Uh, Cease only gives up five hits to Allen seven. Cease only gives up two runs to Allen's four, three earned. Uh, Cease walked two, Allen walked one. Cease got three strikeouts, Allen got four. They both give up solo home runs. They both pitched in the mid to high 80s uh, and uh, a number of pitches. Logan Allen was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times yeah it did it felt like a pretty similar battle and i guess the numbers don't lie uh the one thing i'll say about the guardians is they weren't swinging and missing against dylan cease the whiff rate of five whiffs on 40 swings that's a 13 percent whiff rate he did add in 13 called strikes it's a 20 percent csw for him so n- not a super effective day from dylan cease uh just got lucky a couple of times the whiff rate's a little higher for Logan Allen. 10 whiffs on 50 swings, it's a 20% whiff rate. And in 13 called strikes, it's a 27% CSW. And yeah, he did. He felt like he was in control for most of this game. He gives up the solo home run, but for six innings, it really felt like Logan Allen was in command of this game. And man, they just get to him in that seventh inning. Uh, you know what? Going back and looking at it, it was that seventh inning rally off of Logan Allen. It was their third time going through the lineup. It was the third time those guys faced him. So uh, they were able to turn the lineup over in the sixth inning and uh, a couple of singles, but it didn't turn into anything. And then uh, the bottom of the order got their third chance against him in that seventh inning. So 
uh, you know, that'll be the big question. And I know you've had a lot of questions for Terry Francona, but did he leave Logan Allen in too long facing that lineup for a third time? Uh, so yeah, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, there were some interesting things. I mean, Brennan getting a home run is nice, but it's not enough offense. I can't understate how much that bad base running really hurt this team tonight and really hurt this offense. That was your chance. That was your chance. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You know, I never heard back from uh, from our emailer yesterday. I wonder if those stats I dug up for him, I think it was Eric, right? Uh, I wonder if those stats I dug up for him was what he was looking for. I, I, I'm curious to hear your feedback on my deep dive into baseball reference from yesterday's episode, Eric. So hit me back up in the emails, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. All of you hit me up uh, on the emails, clevelandbaseball at gmail, uh, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep talking about this team because, you know, not giving up on the season at all. It's still just May, but um, I know the attitudes out there aren't aren't too great. Uh, Guardians fever is not sweeping Northeast Ohio right now. Uh, People are pretty indifferent to this team right now. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's going to take a big turnaround. It's going to take a real big turnaround. There is some pitching relief coming, uh, you know, in the form of Savali and uh, McKenzie. The problem is, pitching is starting pitching is not what this team needs. They've got to make this offense start clicking. They've got it. They've got to figure out a way. I, I love that Arias is playing every day. He's on base twice. He had a double and a walk. I don't know how much his base running contributed to Josh Bell going home because he saw Arias chewing up the tar, uh, the dirt behind him. Did that force Bell to go? Uh, so he's part of that bad base running. But uh, a good game. Oh, he did make a great catch in right field up against the wall in that first inning. Uh, who hit one out to the wall in that first inning? Luis Robert flew out. It had a 470 expected batting average. Would have been a home run in four out of 30 ballparks. Let me guess. Yankee Stadium is one of them. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but he makes a nice catch up against the wall. And uh, so, yeah, Arias is figuring out right field a little bit. He's making it work. Again, between three, four positions on the field, he's finding at-bats every day and uh, finding a way to contribute. I hope Tyler Freeman finds the field somehow in this uh, finale, uh, this day game we got coming up against the White Sox. He's got to find a way in there. It's amazing. I mean, he sits on the bench for a week, and then he comes in, and he just keeps hitting. So they've got to find some playing time for Tyler Freeman, too. All right. Uh, MVP on the day. I am definitely going with Eniel De Los Santos. Just an incredibly um, you know, effective, frankly awesome pitching performance. It was pretty darn cool watching him come in there with those runners in scoring position and just shutting down three batters in a row. The top of their lineup, too. So, uh, De Los Santos taking as hard as a middle reliever, especially in a loss, to take home MVP on the day. But, hey, that, that was a huge moment there to shut that down. And at least kept us in the game and gave us a chance. Gave us, you know, three more, nine more outs to try to score those two runs and close that gap, and we couldn't do it. So, De Los Santos taking home MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Sox for the guards, too. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, on this team. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.